You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's season 12 of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is the seasonal series from the Sonic Society in which producers and actors from the modern age of audio drama recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Playhouse is open to all producers and creators of modern audio drama to bring to a contemporary audience these classic plays. And now, over to the host of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, waiting in the seat in his balcony, Mr. David Alt. Hello everyone and welcome back to our penultimate performance for season 12 here at the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. As usual, our summer has just flown by and I know that Jack should be arriving back in Halifax sometime soon from his own trip across Canada on the railways. He has said he's looking forward to meeting up with us next week for the final performance. But tonight's performance remains ahead of us with Larry Groby's Project Audion Troupe as they tackle one of radio's all-time favourite series, The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The episode in question is from the 3rd of December 1945, entitled Murder in the Casbah. And if I sound a little bit rushed and dressed a little unusually, it's because of... Ooh, Righty, that's the uh, curtains raising. I have got to get off to the stage, so enjoy the show. The game's afoot. With actors located from England to Hollywood, California, you're listening to another episode of Project Audio. Hi, I'm Larry Groby of the Generic Radio Workshop. Here's an easy quiz question for you. Who is the most famous detective of all time? Uh, the answer is elementary. Sherlock Holmes, of course. Created by doctor-turned-writer Arthur Conan Doyle in 1886, Sherlock first appeared in 60 short stories and novels. He's subsequently gone on to more books, plays, movies, TV shows, and of course radio. Literally thousands upon thousands of stories right up to the present day. You can start a pretty good pub argument over who's best portrayed the detective, from William Gillette to Benedict Cumberbatch. But a clear contender would have to be Basil Rathbone, aided by Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson. Not only did they star in 14 Hollywood movies, they appeared in over 200 Sherlock Holmes radio episodes. Well, since there were only 60 original stories, new authors soon had Holmes and Watson solving new cases in all sorts of exotic places. Exhibit A, today's Project Audion recreation. Featuring radio actors on both sides of the Atlantic, let's listen to Sherlock Holmes as he solves the murder in the Casbah. Cheers. This episode from The Life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... (laughs) 
Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friends, the master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And as for me, well, I'd like to tell you that a time like right now is the perfect time for a glass of Petri California port. After you've had a good dinner, boy, Petri port is a real topper. That rich, deep red Petri port is really an extraordinary wine. Even its color is different. And as for its flavor, well, it'll take a better man than me to describe that. Petri port is a hearty wine, sure. And every other quality that you look for in a good port, you'll find in Petri port, and then some. Try Petri port by itself, or serve it with fruit, with nuts, or with cake. But share it with your friends, will you? Because you can serve it proudly. After all, it is a Petri wine. And that name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now, let's visit our old friend and host, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Good evening, Doctor. Uh, settle yourself down and, and get your pipe going. Thanks, Doctor. Now, last week you told us that tonight's story took place in the Casbah at Algiers. Ah, yes, the Casbah. I remember it as the place of countless streets winding up and down, past colorful cafes with hundreds of tongues were spoken, and often a street would end in shadowy darkness, which a man would be foolhardy to enter alone. Yes, Mr. Bartell, that was the Casbah that Sherlock Holmes and I knew in the winter of 99. Well, how did you happen to be out there, Doctor? Uh, do you mind if I tell you the story from the start, Mr. Bartell? It really began on a wintry night in Baker Street, at the conclusion of the strange murder in Montrevor Castle. A charming young girl sat on the sofa of our lodgings in Baker Street and talked to us. But, Mr. Holmes, you can't say you have nothing more to do with the Montrevors. My dear Miss Treadfield, I found the true murderer of the Dowager Countess, and he committed suicide. Surely the case has ended. Yes, Mr. Holmes, you found the real murderer. But I want you to find the unfortunate young man who fled England five years ago when he was suspected of the crime. Uh, this is a new development, Miss Tretfield. Uh, please tell us about it. It's it's Douglas Milton that I'm talking about. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He was the heir to the title, wasn't he? Yes, Mr. Holmes. He was a sensitive, artistic boy, and when he knew that he was under suspicion, he ran away. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone regarded his flight as an admission of guilt, that is, until you found the real culprit, Mr. Holmes. I imagine, Miss Treadfield, that your interest in the missing boy is not entirely, shall we say, altruistic? I'm... I'm in love with him, Dr. Holmes. Oh. We were engaged to be married when he ran away. You've got to find him, Mr. Holmes. 
We must know that his name has been cleared and that he's inherited the title. Miss Treadfield, have you any direct news, any letter from your fiancé since he left five years ago? None. Any clues as to his hiding place? Only this. It's a painting I received anonymously a year after he had left. It was sent from a forwarding address in London. Here it is, Mr. Holmes. Thank you. A small oil painting. A very good one, too, I'd say. Yes, it's a splendid sense of composition, and its his use of colour is unusually brilliant. Uh, do you recognise this painting as the work of your fiancé, Miss Treadfield? I'm certain of it. Yes. Wonderful use of colour. Observe the delicate shadings of that sunset and the brilliant green of the oasis. The scene is extraordinarily reminiscent of the desert in North Africa. Yes. Yes, that's what made me say I was certain he had gone abroad, Mr. Holmes. Uh, but why should he go to North Africa? A good place, Watson, for an Englishman who imagines himself to be escaping justice. Remember, the Foreign Legion is stationed there. Do you think he might have joined the Legion, Mr. Holmes? It would seem logical. No questions are asked to those who join it, and its colourful obscurity might easily appeal to a young fellow in trouble. Hello. What is it, Holmes? There are quite a few grains of sand in between the canvas and the frame here. Uh, Miss Treadfield, do you mind if I pry the canvas loose? Do anything you'd like, Mr. Holmes, if it gives you any clue to Douglas's whereabouts. Uh, give me your penknife, will you, Watson? Here you go. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, old chap. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, here we are, yes. Uh, can you see anything? Uh, look, yes. The, the words Sheriff and Ella Froon are stamped here. A sheriff is probably the framer's name, and Ella Froon is a town some 50 miles from Algiers. That settles it. Miss Treadfield, I accept your case. Watson and I will go to Africa and try to find your fiancé, Douglas Milton. Monsieur Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, I have heard of you so often, but I never thought I should see you here at the headquarters of the Foreign Legion. Uh, what can I do for you, gentlemen? Well, Colonel de Brisson, I am trying to trace an Englishman who has been missing during the past four years. I have reason to believe that he might have joined the Legion. Uh, I shall look at my records. Uh, let me see... Hmm, four years ago would be 1895. If Sherlock Holmes is tracking him, then I suppose he was in trouble in his own country. If he was in trouble, he might easily have come to us. We ask no questions. 97, 96, ah, 95. In that year, three young Englishmen joined us. One of them died of dysentery two years ago in Sidi Rashid. One of them deserted 18 months ago, and we have been unable to trace him. The third is my adjutant, who just brought you into my office just now. And he is, I would say, about three inches shorter than Douglas Milton. And men do not shrink in the Foreign Legion, eh, Colonel? They do not, Monsieur Holmes. 
Then the fellow who deserted must be our man. Unless it's the one who died of dysentery. Uh, Colonel de Brisson, how would you advise us to set about trying to find a deserter? Uh, Monsieur Holmes, there is only one place in Algeria where a man can hide from the foreign legion and remain hidden. Oh, and what's that place? The Casbah in Algiers. Then that's our destination, Watson. Be very careful, please, gentlemen. The Casbah is a place where the law is exiled. The police have no jurisdiction there. The only rule is that of strength, violence, and trickery. We shall be very cautious, I assure you. Goodbye, Colonel de Brisson, and thank you for your help. I must say, I, I think Colonel de Brisson rather exaggerated the dangers of the Casbah. <laughs> I, I suppose you're going to tell me that this cafe is the headquarters of a dope smuggling ring or white slaving or something. Its ramifications are even more extensive than those you've mentioned. <laughs> you're joking, Holmes. I assure you I'm not, old fellow. What? My old friend Duhamel is chief of police in Algiers. When I told him our mission, he advised me to come here. 500 franc note and the proprietor can obtain any and all information regarding the underworld. For as little as 200 francs, he can arrange a murder. So that gives you some idea of the relative values in the Casbah. Good lord. Then you've already spoken to the proprietor. Oh, yes, yes. A charming scoundrelly fellow by the name of Raffi. I gave him 500 francs and asked him to set his underworld grapevine in motion to see whether an Englishman living in hiding here in the Casbah could be found. <laughs> and I thought we'd come here for quiet meals. <laughs> ah, here comes Raffi now. Let's hope he has news for us. Uh, here we are, Raffi. Come sit down, won't you? Ah, Raffi works fast, does he not, Mr. Holmes? Uh, uh, your friend is... Uh... My friend knows that you're working with me. What have you found out? Uh, a drink first. The tongue of Rafi is parched. <laughs> Would you have me die of thirst before I give you my news? Uh, vermouth cassis. Oui, Monsieur Rafi. Uh, so you have news for me, then? Ah, but yes. Good. What is it? First, you pay me more money, No. But I gave you 500 francs. You said you'd do the job for that. Can I help it if some tongues are more costly to make wag than others? <laughs> it took the 500 to get the wag. Am I to have nothing for my own trouble? Votre vermouth cassis, Monsieur Raffi. Ah, good, good. Uh, the gentleman will pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you are. Merci, merci. I will drink to your health, gentlemen, both of you. You will pay me more money, no? But my friend's already given you 500. You should stick to your bargain, my good fellow. My information is a bargain at 750 francs. It would be a bargain at a thousand. But Rafi will let you have it for 750 because he likes you. You will give it to me? No. And if I refuse? 
then you get no information. And uh, perhaps I spread news in the Casbah that makes it uncomfortable for you gentlemen to be there. Great Scott, this is blackmail. I, I get the money, no? <laughs> oh, you're a scoundrel, Rafi. <laughs> of course I am a scoundrel. Here's your money. The information? Uh, there is an Englishman hiding here in the Casbah. I do not know his name, but he's tall and fair-haired. I cannot tell you where he lives, but if you go to the cafe of a thousand sides, you will find a girl who sings there. A girl who sings like a nightingale. Her name is Aisha, and she can lead you to your Englishman. A girl named Aisha in the Cafe of a Thousand Sighs? Uh, that is right. I would suggest, though, that you go there in disguise. Two well-dressed Englishmen might find themselves in some trouble. For a small fee, say uh, 200 francs, I will escort you there myself. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yes. I, uh, I think we can manage by ourselves, Rafi. Oh, uh, well, if, if your business is concluded quickly... And time weighs heavy on your hands. Rafi can take you to some places of rare interest. Dancing girls that wither one's eyeballs with their beauty. And for 500 francs, gentlemen... Thank you, I... thank you, Rafi, thank you. I have a feeling that time will not weigh heavily on our hands. Good night. Oh, you work too hard, gentlemen. You should learn how to play. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Upon my soul, I think that fellow's the biggest blackguard I've ever met. I quite agree, old chap, but he is amusing. Uh, uh, by the way, Holmes, uh, do you think that when this case is finished, we might have um, uh, time on our hands? <laughs> Watson, you're incorrigible, but I think... Watson? Oh, what is it? Look at the man sitting over there in the corner by himself. By Jove, yes. His face seems familiar. We've seen him before somewhere. Of course we have. His name is Oliver Leeming. We met him at the inquest on the Montrever case. So we did. Now what on earth do you suppose he's doing here at the Casbah? Not on a holiday, I'm sure. Mr. Oliver Leeming, if you recall, is a cousin of Douglas Milton's, the man we're searching for. If Milton were ever declared legally dead, Mr. Leeming over there would inherit the title. Hmm, it looks to me as if we're not the only people in the Casbah who are searching for the missing heir. That's true, old fellow. Come on, let's go and talk to the gentleman. Mr. Oliver Leeming, how very odd to meet you here. Well, well, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Won't you sit down? Thank you. World's a small place, isn't it? Or has somebody said that before? I wondered if you'd spot me over here in the corner. Oh, so you saw us then? Of course. But you seem to be in such deep conversation with that scoundrel, Raffi. I didn't like to disturb you. <laughs> Very considerate of you, I'm sure. Why are you here, Mr. Leeming? Oh, uh, I'm making a business trip. This is my day off. 
as I recall it, you're in the publishing business. Correct. What a memory you have, Mr. Holmes. It seems peculiar that you should be on a business trip here. Are you planning on opening a publishing house in Algiers, or are you searching the Casbah for new authors? Why not? I'm a great believer in encouraging new talent. Mr. Leeming, why don't you admit that you're here for the express purpose of trying to find your cousin, Douglas Milton? Mr. Holmes, you've discovered my secret. The great Sherlock Holmes and his watchdog have their eagle eyes on me. They know that I succeed to the title if Douglas Milton dies. Yes, Mr. Leeming, we know that fact. And you have fathomed my plan. To find Douglas before you and kill him so that I may inherit the title. How lucky I am to meet you in the Casbah, where you cannot arrest me. <laughs> well, it's a race against time, gentlemen. But I have a head start, as you will soon find out. Goodbye, and the best of luck to you. <clears throat> what an extraordinary fellow. I he's joking, of course. I believe not, Watson. I think he labours under the whimsical belief that the best method of discounting the truth is to state it boldly so that it will not be believed. Great Scott! Th then we must work fast! Yes, old chap, we must. I am sure that we're entrance in a race against death. We must get back to the hotel and into our disguises as quickly as possible. After that, we shall visit a young lady named Aisha in the Café of a Thousand Sighs. And I am certain, Watson, that it will be the first time two men have ever entered the Casbah for the express purpose of preventing a murder. We'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just about a second, which gives me time to remind you that if you like the flavor of big, plump, juicy muscat grapes, you'll love the flavor of Petri California Muscatel. What a wine! Petri Muscatel is the perfect after-dinner wine. It looks good, smells better than it looks, and when it comes to the taste department, well, you never tasted anything like it. For a really good wine, remember, first Petri, then Muscatel. Petri Muscatel. Well, Doctor, I can hardly wait to hear what happened next. You and Sherlock Holmes went back to the hotel, I suppose. Uh, oh, yes, Mr. Bartell. Uh, Holmes quickly adopted the disguise of an Arab guide, while I assumed the role of a tourist, and we started off on our search. Uh, outside the café of a thousand size, we met with a rude shock. Good Lord! It's the fellow we met in the café! Yes, Oliver Leeming, with a knife between his shoulders. He's dead, Holmes. Shouldn't we get in touch with the police? Well, what can they do? Remember, there is no law in the Casbah. In any case, this man is beyond our help. Our job is to protect the living. Come on, old fellow, let's get to the Café of a Thousand Sighs and find this girl, Aisha. The girl, Rafi, says, sings like a nightingale.
<laughs> so that's the girl, Aisha. She's she's very beautiful. And forget our role of tourist and guide, old chap. Uh, master, would wish to meet this Aisha. Oh, very much, indeed. I will see if it can be arranged, Master. Uh, wait here for me, Watson. I'll see what I can do. Uh, right, your Holmes. Uh, be careful now. Uh, Mademoiselle Aisha. What do you want, greasy one? Uh, there is an Englishman at the table over there. He wishes to talk to Aisha. Which one is he? The man who sits at the table in the corner. He is very rich, Aisha, and he admires you a great deal. He told me to give you this 500 franc note. So? Very well. You may bring him to my rooms. The door is at the top of the stairway, to the right. Good, Aisha. I fetch him. I shall be waiting. Aisha will see you, Master. Uh, follow me, please. Oh, very well. Uh, I hope you know how you're going to handle this, Holmes. Don't worry, Watson. In this case, I think honesty will be the best policy. Oh, I'm not so sure. This place is thieves' kitchen if I ever saw one. Uh, you better be careful. First door to the right at the top of the stairs. This is it. Come in. Oh, come and sit over here, Mr. Englishman. Greasy one, you may leave us. Mademoiselle, I may as well tell you at once that I am not an Arab guide. My name is Sherlock Holmes. What do you want with me? Why do you trick your way in here? Don't be frightened, mademoiselle. I can explain our mission in a very few words. My friend and I have come in search of an Englishman by the name of Douglas Milton. We have good news for him. What made you think I might know of him? A gentleman by the name of Raffi suggested that you might. What is your good news for this Englishman? That he has been cleared of suspicion of murder and that he is the rightful Earl of Montrevor. That means when he knows this, he will leave the Cosburn and return to his country? Naturally, my dear. I do not know this man. I've never heard of him. Here's your 500 francs. Goodbye. Uh, uh, not so fast, Aisha, my petit chou. I've been listening from behind these curtains. Gentlemen, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Douglas Milton. Douglas Milton, uh, we found you at last. <laughs> it gives me infinite pleasure to have succeeded in my mission. How do you do, sir? This is very exciting. <laughs> it is indeed. Yes, I, I think the occasion calls for a drink. Uh, what will it be, gentlemen? Uh, I, I think a glass of port would be very nice, sir. Yes, it would be most appropriate for toasting the new Earl of Montrevor. Splendid. Splendid. Uh, I should bring glasses and a bottle of port and some creme de menthe for me. You're not going to England. I will never let you leave me. Oh, stop being so melodramatic, Aisha. Please bring two bottles and some glasses. Very well. I am sorry. Uh, Mr. Holmes, I, I can't tell you how I appreciate your trouble in coming all this way to find me, but, well, I must tell you at once, 
There's one problem that makes it difficult for me to leave this country. You see, I... I deserted from the Foreign Legion. Uh, yes, we know that, my boy. In fact, that's how we first got onto your trail. I shouldn't let that fact worry you, Mr. Milton. I'm certain the British Consul in Algiers can arrange to have any charges dropped against a peer of the realm. Oh, well, I, I never thought of that. Here are the bottles. Uh, you must excuse the glasses, gentlemen. Uh, tumblers are hardly correct, I suppose, but... Well, they won't spoil the flavour, I'm sure. Ah, two glasses of port, and a criminal amount for me. Only three glasses, Aisha. Bring a glass for yourself. I do not wish to drink. And I insist that you do. Bring a glass, Aisha. Why should I drink if you are leaving me? Mr. Milton, do you know Oliver Leeming? Hmm? Oh, uh, of course. He's my cousin. Uh, yes, he uh, came here half an hour ago and threatened me. Also know that he's lying dead in the street. Murdered? Uh, well, yes. Yes, I did. If we weren't in the Casbah, I wouldn't tell you this, but Aisha stabbed him. She followed him when he left here, killed him, and then slipped back just in time to sing her song a few moments ago. Oh, you needn't look so shocked, Dr. Watson. Life is cheap in the Casbah. And Aisha is a girl of violent passions. <clears throat> Come on, let's let's drink. A toast to the new Earl of Montrevor. <coughs> Excuse me, sir. Uh, you took the wrong glass. You're, you're drinking my port. Oh, silly mistake. I I can't bear port. Uh, very unEnglish of me, I'm afraid. But well. After all these years, I don't feel particularly English. In fact, I'll probably find it very hard to adjust myself to the old life when I go back. Or perhaps I should say, if I go back. Since you feel that way about it, Mr. Milton, why go? You can claim the title and the revenues of the estate without leaving Algeria. You could stay here and live on the income. I didn't realize that would be possible. Are you sure I could do that? Oh, yes, I'm quite certain of it. Hmm... But if you doubt my word, I suggest we all adjourn to the British Consulate in Algiers. They can put you straight on the matter. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, let's go over there at once. And now I've been listening to you, my friend. You are planning to leave me. Once you go from the Casbah, I shall never see you again. <sighs> put down that knife, Aisha. Oh, no, did you go? You belong to me. If you leave me now, I will kill you. Put down that knife, Aisha. You've done enough damage for one night. Put it! Down, you Let me go. Put it down. <laughs> uh, she twisted the knife on herself as she fell. Uh, Holmes, help, help me turn her over. Uh, she's dead, Mr. Milton. Poor Aisha. The bloody path that leads to the Montrevor title, sir. I suggest that we see that this poor girl's body is taken care of. And then go to the British Consulate without any further delay. Now that we're at the Consulate, Mr. Milton, I suggest that you swear on oath that you are Douglas Milton, heir to the Montrevor estate. Uh, this gentleman is a commissioner of oaths. Uh, then we can go in and see the Consul. 
Very well. Now raise your right hand and repeat after me. I hereby solemnly swear that I am Douglas Milton, the missing heir to the Montrever estate. I hereby swear that I am Douglas Milton, missing heir to the Montrever estate. Thank you, sir. And now if you'll sign the statement here, these gentlemen can witness it. Well, there you are. Thank you, sir. And now, if you gentlemen will sign. Yes, certainly. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. The document is now legal. Splendid. Uh, let's go over and see the council. Uh, not yet, my friend. Uh, Watson, this man is not Douglas Milton. What the devil are you talking about? There is no law in the Casbah, sir, so you cannot be punished for the two murders you committed there. But now that your avarice has tempted you here to Algiers, where you've been foolish enough to sign a false statement, I think we can at least settle you very nicely for desertion, false impersonation, forgery, and perjury. Uh, Holmes, what do you mean? Uh, the story should be obvious, old fellow. Oliver Leeming did track down the deserter. Recognition was uncertain after so many years, but at least it gave this gentleman the idea of impersonating the real Douglas Milton, a friend of his. You have a, a lively imagination, Mr. Holmes. The real Douglas Milton died of dysentery two years ago in Sidi Rashid. As soon as the idea of impersonating Milton was born, Leeming had to die. Your theories are very interesting, but you haven't a shred of proof. I say that I'm Douglas Milton. How are you going to prove otherwise? Very simply, my dear sir. Douglas Milton was a painter. A painter who excelled in the use of vivid colours. You, sir, suffer from the quite common malady of red-green colour blindness. Less than an hour ago you mistook a glass of port, which is red, for a glass of creme de menthe, which is green. I knew at once that you were an impostor. You're cleverer than I thought you were, Holmes. Goodbye. Uh, here, here, here. Uh, come back. Oh, no, Watson, don't go after him. But we can't let him escape, Holmes. Oh, don't worry, old chap, he won't escape. I sent a message to Colonel de Brisson. If you go to the window, I think you'll find that the consulate is being watched. The Legion has a long memory for desertion. I don't think he'll get very far. They've got him, Holmes. Shot him as he was trying to run away. A just death for him. He lived a life of violence and treachery, Watson. It's only fitting that he should die in the same manner. Doctor, that was a swell story. But you know something? I wish you hadn't disillusioned me about the Casbah. Disillusioned you? Uh, wh uh, what do you mean? Well, before I heard your story, whenever somebody mentions the Casbah, I'd always visualize a very glamorous, romantic sort of place, full of beautiful women. Every one of them a ringer for Hedy Lamar. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> and I could just see myself, handsome, dashing, going up to one of those beautiful girls and whispering in my fine French accent, Darling, you are sensational. You are lovely, gorgeous. Tell me, have you ever tried Petri wine? It's wonderful. 
Well, you must admit, doctor, that that is the truth. It is wonderful wine. It certainly ought to be. <laughs> You're incorrigible. After all, winemaking has been in the business of the Petri family ever since way back in the 1800s. For generations, the Petri family has handed down from father to son, from father to son, the fine art of turning luscious, sun-ripened grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. And don't forget, because the making of Petri wine is a family affair, the letters P-E-T-R-I on a bottle of wine are the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. So no matter what type of wine you prefer for any occasion, remember, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Well, Doctor, I suppose you're ready to tell us about next week's story? Uh, yes, uh, and as soon as I have, I want you to meet a friend of mine. A friend? Uh, yes, but first, Mr. Bartell, next week I'm going to tell you an adventure in which, for once, Holmes came off second best, an exciting story of high society and romance. I call it A Scandal in Bohemia. Boy, that sounds swell. And now what about your friend? Uh, well, he's waiting at the microphone in San Francisco. He's Dr. Langley Porter, and he wants to tell us about something very important. Dr. Langley Porter. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Radio listeners tonight in Italy, there are thousands, many thousands, dying of cold and hunger. Babies, children, expectant mothers, old folks, dying for want of clothes, want of food. This organization, American Relief for Italy, appeals to you to search your homes for anything that can be made useful for starving, freezing men, women, children. Clothing, layettes for babies, diapers, shoes, food, surgical supplies, but above all, clothes, clean clothes fit to wear. Take them to the nearest fire station. That your gifts will reach the Italians who need them, you may be sure. Americans of this organization will distribute the packages in Italy through the Italian Red Cross, the Catholic Relief Organization, the League of Italian Women, the Confederation of Italian Labor, and the Italian government. In Italy, death is on the prowl. Radio listeners' lives can be saved. It's up to you. Thank you, Dr. Langley Porter. I know that our friends listening will do all that they can to help the organization. American Relief for Italy. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Crooked Man. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruth through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock's Holmes series. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
That's our show for today. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, share it with your friends, and write us and tell us. Until next time, thanks for listening. And I have left the stage as the audience demonstrates their appreciation for this fantastic recreation from Project Audion. Well, all this running has me a little bit out of breath, but I would like to thank Mr. Larry Groby and the rest of the Project Audion cast, and we welcome you next week for our final performance. Thank you, and good night. And that concludes this week's performance of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, features, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their respective copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society and a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network and any shows that continue their run must receive express permission from all parties involved. Join us next week for another new classic. With thanks to our announcer, Jack Ward, I'm your host, David Alt. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday. Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bat Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're headed toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, we're pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop.
classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre. And the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.